All right. Welcome back, everybody. We are back at Matt Goes to the Movies to finally cap off the Mummy franchise with Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Uh, there was some twists and some turns along the way, but we are finally here. Uh, Rob and I both just finished this rewatch very recently. Um, him is little as 45 minutes ago and me as little as 10 minutes ago uh, <laughs> i just finished this so this is completely fresh um some different thoughts than what i remember having about this movie whether that's good or bad that's why we're here but rob i do find it funny that you know you can go to a library and get this um you can rent it for four ninety nine or three ninety nine off of sites, or you could buy the whole damn series for nine ninety nine uh, in some places. Um, yeah, this whole series, the first two movies alone, are certainly worth nine ninety nine. So what what all comes in that? Is it uh, the the four films that we've talked about, or what else is yep. in that? Yeah, Scorpion King, The Mummy, The Mummy Returns, and The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. You can, granted, it's on DVD, but you can pick up all four films for nine ninety nine. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you think that you're getting two good movies for five dollars each, that's a good deal. Yeah, that's not a bad deal at all. Um, maybe you tipped your hat a little bit by saying <laughs> by saying by saying two good movies, but um. You know, 2008, this uh, this came out. It stars, obviously, um, Jet Li, which was, he, you know, he was very, very big at the time. Um, Brendan Fraser had returned, and it was, you know, it was a very long time. I mean, seven years since The Mummy Returns had hit, um, did we get a third mummy movie. Um, I think that's in part to do with the Scorpion King didn't do exactly what they thought it would be. Um, I, I think they thought the Scorpion King was going to take over this franchise and decided they need to bring some, you know, bring this back. Um, but the, the real, you know, big omission here, and we've talked about this in the other reviews was the fact that Rachel Weiss decided not to come back. She was not happy with the script and Maria Bello stepped in in her place. And my original criticism still stands. Um, she She's just no Rachel Weisz. Um, she doesn't have the screen presence that she does. And she doesn't have the chemistry with Brendan Fraser, um, which is something that severely hurts this movie. Now, whether or not I think it's as bad as I originally did, we'll get into that. But it, it's clear right off the bat. She just, she doesn't, she doesn't have it. And I don't like to badmouth actors and actresses like that, but yeesh, she doesn't. It's hard to replace. And I'm just going to go ahead and say the role of Eve. It was kind of an iconic role. You know, you get an actress like Rachel Weiss who crushed that role and performed so well. She and Brendan Fraser. And, and let's not also forget uh, her brother's, you know, her, the character's name of Jonathan, uh, John Hanna as that role, the three of them together. And then when you added in the second film, their son, like the four of them together, and then just go ahead and add in. Um, oh God. Why can't I think of it? The, um, the guard. You know the the uh, Egyptian oh, guard from the desert. Yes, I can't remember his, his name. name. He's, he's he's awesome. Uh, 
he's the gigolo in uh Bruce Bruce is it Bruce Bigolo male gigolo? Yeah. Deuce Bigolo. Um, Deuce Bigolo. Um He's actually the main gigolo in that movie. Um, yeah, I'm totally blanking on names right now because it's been a long week, but and it's only Monday um, as we record this. It's already <laughs> been a long week. Um, but the, but them all together, just the way they fit in with each other, the way that they just play off each other, it's hard to just pull a lot of those pieces away and just either not bring any of them back or or swap some of them around and think that you're just going to have magic it, it just doesn't it's not easy to do and and you can kind of see what happens when you try to do that and it and it doesn't work I, there's there's kind of a i actually have a list of of actors um that were changed out um at different points so like james bond yeah but that's like you know that happens all the time batman's been played by a bunch of guys spider-man but in terms of actors who have been pulled out of of series um rachel dawes uh in batman begins and the dark knight uh james rhodes which i know that you are not a fan of of don Cheadle uh in the mcu compared to what uh terrence howard started uh clarice starling in um silence of the lambs then became julianne moore and hannibal uh, the Oracle was changed out in the Matrix, although I think they actually covered that really well with how they yeah. explained that. And, you know, it was the death of the actress. So that's obviously very tragic. Um, and then switching out Ed Norton for Mark Ruffalo and another MCU one. It, you know, some of that list. You know, y- there were such different movies anyways that it, 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 you know, Silence of the Lambs is an all time classic. So you were never really going to be able to replace Clarice Starling and and just hope that it was going to catch fire in the same way. Um, Game of Thrones switched out like 12 different actors, but it really wasn't like that. That really wasn't the focus that anybody was on. It was just the craziness of that series that that drew us in on that. So it's it's a tough task. It was probably always doomed to fail it, it, as far as how that was going to work. And they should have figured out a way to get Rachel Weiss back in work the script to a point that it would have made sense for her to come back. I also want to say she had given birth to a son, not, not long before this. So there's, there's that consideration too. Um, but there's really, and, and knowing that I had felt that way about this movie coming into it, I was really paying attention to the scenes where Rick and Evie were together. The, they're just not written the same way either. So the opportunity for them to play well off of each other and show that that bond that's been developing since, you know, what is it? I want to say the first film takes place in between the first and second world wars, if I'm not mistaken. It's kind of in that timeline. And then this takes place in like 46, I think. Uh, 1947. Yeah, 47. and, And I don't remember when the first one is, but I but it's, you know, like post second world war kind of. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's I think it's post First World War. So like, say, maybe the 20s, you know, it's quite a bit of time. They just didn't really give them the opportunity to show the progression of how things have gone for them. Now, if it was Rachel Weiss in that role, maybe it just would have naturally happened differently or they would have taken different cuts. They would have written it differently. Um, but I just don't think the writing lent itself to to cover for it. No, I, I think that's a really good point. And she's gone on record, Rachel Weiss is saying that, you know, th- they did try to say that they didn't have her back. They couldn't get her because of, you know, the baby. And she's like, well, I did two movies in that same time frame. I didn't like the script. That's why I didn't come back because they tried to play that off because 
during that time there was like a well wait why isn't she coming back so they did try to like you know kind of put a band-aid over it so to speak but she quickly shot that down and you can kind of see why (laughs) as i'm sure we'll get into yeah you know um but before we get into like the real nitty-gritty one person that i will give uh, some credit to um, who I remember a little bit more fondly this go around than I did the first one. Um, and he has not done anything a- after this at all. This this is his literal biggest movie ever uh, is Luke Ford, who plays Alex O'Connell. Now, I don't remember the kid's name who played him in The Mummy Returns, and he, he was great. But rewatching this, I, I actually felt like Luke Ford did he was better than I remember because I remember not really caring for him. Um, but I actually thought he was pretty darn good. I liked him. Yeah, I think I would have. I would have preferred. Um, and the uh, the other actor's name is Freddie Both. I happen to have it in front oh, of me here. There you go. Um, I probably would have preferred to have him just because I feel like. And, and we've sort of talked about this um, both on this show and and on our friend Harrison show in the Basement Binge. When you get the opportunity to watch an entire film series in close proximity, you really do have a different relationship with that series than when you watched it just, you know, as it hit theaters. And then you wait three years, four years, whatever it is, and you go see the next one. And when you, when you do watch these in succession, I feel like there's... Um, I feel like there's almost a closeness you have to the characters that you don't develop as as easily. Um, There there are some films you will, no matter what. Your favorite films, you always will. But on films that are, you you know, maybe you like them, maybe maybe you feel either way about it. When you do get the opportunity, just one after the other after the other within a a span of a few weeks, you know, I I do feel like you have a different relationship with it. And I kind of noticed with this, I just, you know, I, I like having the gang all together. And I think where it really stood out the most for me, this, this phenomenon that I'm speaking of is, is the pirates of the Caribbean series. When we got to the last one in the series and it's not a great movie. It's, it's really not, but I feel like just be, being able to have the cast that we've watched through several films back together, doing that stuff together was, was special in a way that I don't know that if I would have waited that long, you know, long periods of time in between uh, consuming those films, it wouldn't have hit the same way. But to, to your point on, on uh, Luke Ford, you know, listen, I buy him as the, as the next sort of iteration of, of Alex that we saw early. Um, and he, and he certainly feels like a young version of Rick. It feels like they are father, son, and, and they have some decent moments. They have, there's some bad writing in here, by the way. And, yeah, and I there think is. there's a couple of moments. Yeah. There's a couple of moments between the two of them that I wish were written better, but overall um, I don't, I don't fault the actor for that. No, I, I think this movie suffers from some, some pretty bad writing, um, <laughs> but in a franchise that's about, resurrecting mummies from the dead and raising the army of Anubis. The thing that stuck out to me about this movie was this one feels ridiculous. Like this one to me was the least believable of the stories. Mm. And, and that was, 
that was surprising to me because again, we, you know, the army of Anubis pops up in the second one and it's, you know, that final battle and not saying that the CGI is any better in it. Cause certainly the mummy returns is, you know, laughed out loud for its portrayal of the PlayStation two Scorpion King. Um, but this movie seven years later, I don't know how much of you, you caught of it, Rob, but if, when the emperor first awakens and they're chasing, there's the, the chase down the street, the scene where, um, Alex and the, Oh God, why am I forgetting her name? Um, Lynn, the, the, the Lynn, um, when they get thrown off to the side and the carriage, that is laughably game cut scene, bad, like <laughs> old school. Like it was, it is so terrible. Um, but even the emperor turning into the three headed dragon and then the, I don't know, what does he turn into at the end? What is that thing? Some kind of like gorilla boar beast thing. He, he looks like the freaking character off the cover of the book of where the wild things are. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Holy like, cow. Right. You just blew yeah. my mind. <laughs> like that's exactly what he freaking looks like. And I don't know what that thing's called, but um it's like a manticore or something, I think. Yeah, manta shit, but like you <laughs> you you have that. But not only that, it's like and I remember they were in there, but then when the yetis come in, and it's like what the hell are we doing? And again, that's for a series known for being like, well, this isn't supposed to be real, but like this one just felt like it pushed it way too much. And, and that's not even the biggest problem with the movie, but this was the least believable of them to me. You know, you kind of mentioned some of the the visual effects. Um, this movie comes out in 2008 and it's funny. I was talking about pirates of the Caribbean earlier. I was actually thinking about that a lot because you have some similar types of effects with decaying bodies and things like that um, to what we saw, uh, in, especially in the first Pirates movie that came out four years earlier than this. Mm-hmm. It looks way better, like way better. And that was very noticeable to me. Um, you know, when you say this is the least believable, I found myself at different times going like, the the dragon emperor han it's never really clear what his power set actually is like it just seems like you know you know he makes ice he makes fire he can make things float he can kind of use the force a little bit he can turn into all these animals like they never really narrowed down what his abilities actually are and i found myself watching it like making note of that in my head and then i also found myself not even really caring like it didn't feel like it it was important enough to me to actually be bothered by it. If that makes sense. Well, that's, <laughs> I, I mean, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't mind that at all, actually. Um, so <sighs> obviously too, I, I mean, this movie with Alex discovering the emperor, um, Oh, I, I'm sorry. I want to I, I want to backtrack really quick. And maybe it was just me, but this opening narration and I, the first two, the first two movies had them. But man, this one felt longer. It felt longer and it felt so unimportant. 
yeah, um, a lot of what happens kind of feels unimportant. And and you kind of mentioned a few times, and and we haven't really just addressed it. I think straight on how much this borrows from the ideas of the first movie. And I'm going to describe the pl- a plot loosely. So you have a ruler who likes a girl who does not particularly like him back, but but likes his lieutenant instead. And there's terrible CG. Which of these mo- movies that I just described? Oh, wait, it's all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just kind of like... It's like they wanted to distance themselves from the first two to be different, but then kept too like you kept too much like i didn't need the guardian over like i didn't need all of that i, I didn't need someone protecting i didn't need and even I didn't, that was derivative of the first two yeah i i didn't need the i didn't need that really really poorly acted scene between alex and lynn um where she's like well, you don't like a girl that can knock you on your ass or however she says it. I was like, come on. Like, geez, this is, this is freaking middle school shit. Like Uh, this is 100%. Like that's not how adults freaking talk to each other anymore. That's not how two grown people like I'm, I wasn't around in 1947, but, I I guarantee you that is not how men talk to women in 1947. Um, I don't think so either. I wasn't around for it either. And, uh, neither were my parents. Um, so it's hard for me to imagine that that's real. I hated that scene. Um, I what you go one scene before that you get an equally bad scene between Alex and his mom, Evie, where they're talking about the number of experiences he's had. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is cringy. It's awful. It's wooden. Nobody talks this way. It is so unnatural. I cannot imagine having that conversation with my mom or having that conversation with my children or literally anybody I know having that conversation with their parents or their children. It's a terrible scene. It's so poorly written. And then it immediately follows up or it immediately is preceded by the scene you were describing that is also somehow worse and also terribly written. Overall, like if if I really have to just break this down, this film overall, just to sum it up, doesn't really do anything remarkable or special. And it has some very lazy filmmaking throughout. And it predominantly relies on our goodwill towards this franchise. And it takes the audience's loyalty to this franchise for granted. And never mm. and never really like appreciates the audience just says, yeah, you guys like the mummy. So we're just going to do this. And and here you go. Even Rick isn't as charming in this movie. And I I don't necessarily think it's his fault because I, I do think he has a couple of good moments. I do think when, um, you know, he's sitting there talking to Evie and he's, he's like, well, it's implied I'm his father. Um, cause let's face it. That's very much, you know, probably back in that day as well. Th- that's very much true. Um, yeah. you know, that, that felt very real. It, I did also think it was funny when he was like, you put down one mummy dad. Yeah. One same mummy twice. Like, okay, there's, <laughs> there's, there's Rick. Um, 
even the beginning when he goes and he just gets sick of it and he goes and shoots the fish. Um, I, I was like, okay, like, yeah, that's, that's Rick. Um, but that whole, that whole joke in the beginning where he goes and shoots the fish is ruined because my God, again, I, I hate to say anything about an actor or an actress, but Maria DeBello, Bello, she's so freaking wooden. It, she's, she is a plank for God's sakes. Like every scene that she's in, even when she sits there and is like, oh, we're going to have a family meeting. How often, like how often, how well do you know this girl? And then when she's talking to her beforehand, I'm like, you are like, you look like you're going to crack your cheekbones trying to emote, like loosen the frig up. (laughs) Yeah, there's. And again, a lot of that, I think, is is the fact that the the scenes and the dialogue are pretty poorly written. They're not based on how real people talk and 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 everything always comes back to Star Wars. Right. So you, you look at episode two, which is the worst film in the franchise, and you look at how bad the scenes are between Anakin and Padme. And for a while, it that stink actually hung on both of those actors that people thought maybe it was them. And and we've seen them both in other things. Phenomenal. You know, Natalie Portman is incredibly talented. Um, she she kind of brushed that stink off a little bit faster. And then you actually look at the dialogue in that film and you see how just ungodly bad it is. I, I think there's a little bit of that in place here where you you don't like if there's not a lot of chemistry between the cast involved and then you give them, you know, bad dialogue to work with, you're making a bad meal with bad ingredients and Mm. it tastes like shit. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, But you know what the funny thing is? We were talking about all of this, but I found myself not hating this. And I I found myself saying it's at least not as bad as I remember. Because I remember this, at least in my opinion, I remember this being downright awful. And I didn't feel it was downright awful. I still don't think it's a good movie, but it is not the dumpster fire that I remember. Oh, we've definitely reviewed worse movies than this, uh, for sure. And there is, you know, going ahead to try to give this a little more more credit. Um, there is something kind of magical when Brendan Fraser is portraying Rick O'Connell and he's chasing supernatural bad guys through the streets. Like that's just there's something about that setup, even though we've seen it before, that just really this just really works for me. Um, it kind of makes you wish that there was, there was more, you know, I, I, again, a lot of this is derivative, um, so much so that when I went to put the Blu-ray in my Xbox to start it, um, the Xbox wouldn't even load it. It's, I think it was trying to save me from this movie, which isn't to say again, that it's the worst movie I've seen (laughs) this year, but I kind of feel like my Xbox is like, are you, are you sure you want to do this? Like, I'm just going to kind of like not load the Blu-ray app for a while to make you like really sure that you, you want to do this. I kind of felt like, uh, 
you know, whatever AI Microsoft is working on was kind of like, listen, we, we, we're going to cover you on this one. Um, it, we made the joke kind of um, when we were doing our Halo review yesterday that uh, as we were previewing this episode, that uh, the late Roger Ebert is even quoted on the back of this Blu-ray as saying that it is the best in the series. Um, most people can't name three movie critics. And if you can name two, it's probably Siskel and Ebert. Um, you know, Ebert probably being the most famous because even after Gene Siskel passed, he carried on, you know, with with uh, was it is it um, Roper? I'm trying to remember Roper's first name. It was Roper and Ebert for a while. Um and, you know, Roger's now now passed. Yep. Probably the most famous film critic in the world. And he liked it. And I'm not saying I have agreed with every one of his reviews because I certainly haven't. But, man, to go out on a limb and call this the best of the series. It's not it's not in the top two. It's absolutely not. You know, you can rank the first two in any order you want. This movie just simply is not better than the first two. No, um, it, it, I mean, for sure is not, I mean, great for him if he really got that much enjoyment out of it. Um, but you know, I I mean, and, and they certainly, and this is something we've talked about. They certainly hint at a fourth movie with where, how this ends. Um, and I know there was a lot that happened with Brendan Fraser, but man, it just, you know, with everything that's come back after all of these years, Ghostbusters, Halloween, mm. all of these, you know, all of these movies that have had a, a resurrection, so to speak. I mean, the the biggest example of that is Top Gun Maverick. Um, yeah. And obviously it's only a sequel. It ha- it doesn't have multiple, multiple. Um, but, you know, it's funny you mentioned a bunch that I had actually made a little bit of a list and I didn't I somehow missed those ones too but you think about the amount of time in between trilogies of star wars uh, mm-hmm. indiana jones went away for a long time and came back with a fourth went away for a long time came back with a fifth jurassic park went away for a long time came back with a new trilogy might be coming back with more aliens has taken a lot of time off and and released you know new entries the predator uh series has released you know taking a long time probably released maybe which many people say is it's you know it's obviously the best entry since the original and i some people actually say that it's better than the original but i I mean pray was really good (laughs) (laughs) um it was really good listeners if you haven't checked out our review of it we published it what two summers ago whenever it was go listen to that it's a great movie and actually go watch that movie too um and the matrix you know they took a long time off in between and came back and they probably shouldn't have come back because that was not worth coming back for there no. is there is a world where they can release a fourth actual mummy series, not counting the Scorpion King as, you know, it's it's part of the saga, but you know, true mummy films. You can bring Rachel Weiss back. You can just do it. You can just decide we all want it. Like you can just bring her back. You can mm-hmm. you can bring uh Brendan Fraser back, bring John Hanna back as Jonathan, bring whichever one of the Alex's back you want. And, and, you know, what was this 2008 when this came out? So, you know, if you really wanted to spin it kind of forward, you could easily set the next movie in the fifties. You could set it in the sixties. You could give it kind of a cold war vibe, um, you know, which is kind of what Indy four did, I guess. 
Um, and this movie definitely borrows a lot from uh, the Holy Grail. You know, we haven't really talked about Michelle Yeoh very much, but she definitely has a Grail Knight kind of vibe to her point, to like her character. <laughs> I was definitely waiting for her to tell someone they chose poorly. Um, <laughs> never happened. Um, you could easily do that. Uh, you could send them to ancient Sumer. You could send them to, well, at the end of the movie, they say soon after mummies were found in Peru. You could easily send them to South America or Central America. There's so many different mythologies or and and stories that you can tell in so many other parts of the world. I would, I, you know, I, I'd be there tomorrow if they if they released it. You know, you could pull and what was surprising to me is the fact that it didn't get and who knows? I, I mean, I don't know if there were talks or anything like that. But when, you know, especially when Brendan Fraser had his his comeback and, you know, the whale was huge and, you know, people were interested to see him in um, in, in Batgirl before that, you know, got scrapped and everything like that. Um, it, it seemed like the perfect time to capitalize on that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the franchises getting um, getting these reboots being brought back out of out of the dustbin, um, you know, Ghostbusters, I think, is a great example of that. It's one that I hadn't even really thought of. That's sorry. That's exactly what I was going to say is you could almost even pull with this series. If you really wanted to, you could pull a Ghostbusters with this and you could set it very far into the future where he's, he's older. And if you wanted to try and pass this franchise on, um, you could totally do something with that. Yeah. You'd have to have the right cast, the right actors that people would follow that could lead that franchise into the future. Um, but there's no reason that Brendan Fraser can't keep, you know, dual wielding revolvers and pistols and machine guns and, you know, getting himself into all kinds of crazy sort of uh, situations that you don't know how he can get out of it. And yet somehow he does. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd watch him as the, as the lead of it for, for years to come. I I think if he decides he wants to do it, if there's enough people out there who want to do it, I mean, with all the different streaming services that exist right now that are trying to justify their existence to the consumer who has to decide, especially as password sharing gets harder and harder and gets cracked down more and more, these streaming services are really going to be fighting very hard for, you know, listen, inflation is not getting any better. Um, You know, the crunch on the average American household is not getting any easier anytime soon. I don't I don't think it will. I think these extra streaming services are the things that are going to go by the wayside. And if I'm, I don't know, Paramount Plus, let's say, and I don't have a ton of marquee programming, if I'm Peacock and I don't necessarily have a ton of marquee programming and I'm relying mostly on back back catalog stuff, why not? Right. Why, why not throw some money yeah. at something like this? Get people excited. Do you you remember like his weirdest thing after this was because, again, he went away for a while um, and certainly there are plenty of stories as to as to why. Um, Remember his weird like 30 second appearance in G.I. Joe, the rise of Cobra? 
No, I don't even remember that. Yep. He he literally has like a 15 second scene where uh, Duke Channing Tatum is fighting Snake Eyes um, and he, he takes Snake Eyes down and one of the team members, I think it's I, I, for, I forgot who, but he's like, I've never seen Snake Eyes take a hit. And literally Brennan Fraser just goes, they're Joe's. It's that's his line. That's his part in the movie. And boom, done. Like he, he shows up in that movie for all of what I just described and he's never seen again. So it was kind of weird. It was like one of his last things he did before he made his comeback was he just randomly showed up in GI Joe, the rise of Cobra. (laughs) It's an odd film to choose, right? Yeah. It's almost like he was meant to do more or he was supposed to be in the sequel. And then everything happened. Like, you know, Maybe he was supposed to be Bruce Willis's character in the sequel or whatever the case may be. But um, I always found that weird that he showed up like he showed up in that movie just for that short amount of time. But <laughs> like sometimes cameos just get to be straight up distracting. Like you focus yeah. more on the fact of who the person is than than what like it pulls you out of the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but Again, the the weird thing is, is just getting back to this is. We've talked about bad CGI, there's bad dialogue. Um, The fights. eh, I'll go a step further than that. They're bad. So you get this fight between Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh's characters. Um, It's a total and complete waste of two of the most popular martial arts film stars of the last 30 years. It's nothing special. It's mostly slow motion. Isn't that weird, though? Isn't that weird? Because they did the same thing. And I remember thinking the same thing. And our friend Harrison over at the basement binge, um, we talked about this where in GI Joe uh, snake eyes origins, they had legit martial artists on that movie. And it's all rapid editing cuts. And it's like, you have two people who can actually do this. Why aren't you filming it? Like, why aren't you letting them do this? Because they can. I remember the first time I saw Jet Li, this would have been, I was in high school when Lethal Weapon 4 came out, and this was before I'd started martial arts training, so I, I hadn't really gotten into my Jet Li movie obsession phase that I that I spent a good bit of the, you know, early to late 2000s. I, I was just, you know, would consume everything of his that I could. I remember seeing him in Lethal Weapon 4, and I remember seeing the way he fought, and I remember feeling like, that's not a human being. That's a non-Newtonian fluid in white PJs <laughs> that is somehow able to recite lines. Like he's a liquid. That's, that's not a person. That's like, how is that even possible? And this was even before wire work was a huge thing. So I don't, I don't know how much of it was wires. I don't think they did much, if any. And, and I know that Jet Li's had some, some knee issues over the course of his career. And, and I don't know if that was part of the consideration here, but at least get stunt doubles to, to do the back, you know, the stuff there's, even if you don't want to have him do some of the big aerial kicks and things like that, the two of them have done some just dozens of films with really tight wing chung, you know, close combat hand to hand stuff 
that they just didn't do here. It's almost like the action choreographer had never seen either of them do anything in a previous movie. I I was really disappointed by it. There's not a moment where you're like, oh, wow, that was creative. And and that's one of the things I love most about really good kung fu choreography in film is is when you see something unique, you see just a, a quick moment of, of something that you've never been presented before. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of the same combinations and things like that. But when they do something just out of nowhere that you've just never seen that take or that setup or that series of combinations or the way they use an environment in a certain way. That's what I love is when somebody really digs into their creativity for choreography, there's nothing creative or special or unique about this. We never get Jet Li doing any Jet Li things. We never get Michelle Yeoh doing what she's good at. And it feels like a waste of both of these talented actors abilities. Yeah, no, it, it it definitely does. It it feels like Jet Li was really wasted in, in this. He's there role. for his name. Yes, he, he's there for his name. And, um, you know, one of the other things you said, like, you know, this movie. Relies on the first two and it kind of just takes the fact of, OK, well, you love it. So we're we're taking advantage of it. And, and when they. Again, but I still can't say this movie is terrible. I, I've certainly, I have watched, and I'm not talking like those stupid B movies or C movies that I love to watch, like Velocipaster and things like that. <laughs> that's um, not even a C movie. That's like a, I know. that's a that's an M or an L movie. Like I, I'm not talking about those. Like I've watched mainstream major motion releases that are worse than this. I. I would go as far as to say that the 2017 mummy movie with Tom Cruise is worse than this one. It I, is. I, I like, so again, I, I, I still can't bring myself to say this is terrible, which is again, a far cry from what I remember this movie being. Um, but their, their reliance on the audience and their, the goodwill that they think they have, um, when they do do when they do copy things. Okay. So mad dog. Okay. Is he not Winston from the first movie? Is he not Izzy from the second movie? Yeah. But here's the thing. Winston in the first movie, he doesn't get a big part, but I actually liked him. I actually was like, Oh, like that sucks. Rick, Rick lost a friend in the first movie when Winston go, when Winston, you know, when Winston dies, Izzy is at least funny in the second movie. He's, he, he's a goofball. He's funny. It feels like him and Rick had some pretty good adventures. Um, what, you, you know, mad dog, because like, no offense, like, and it's that typical stupid, like macho guy shit. What the hell are you mad at Alex for? Your wife's the one that just went around flaunting her shit. Like, yeah, you know, you get the typical like even says like, oh, I, I, I got to give him a thrashing O'Connell, like knock it off. Like, why are you mad at him? Like, but he's he's a copy of the first two, but he's not as good. You know, yeah. um, Lee, Ling's mom is a copy of Ode Fair's character. That's the actor's name. Um, and here's the thing. 
she's not as good. E- everything is a copy. Uh, you know, oh, Ardeth Bay, I'm sorry, is the actor's name. He plays o- o- Ode Fair in The Mummy and the Mummy Returns. Even Jet Li, because his name is wasted, is, you know, again, he's an extension of Arnold Vosloh, who really has a much better performance than Jet Li. Much better. Yeah, and and this is like not even asking Jet Li to, I don't think he ha- his character speaks any English in this. Um, you know, he, he really doesn't, at this stage of his career, didn't have phenomenal English. I'm trying to remember what movie it was. It was, it was one of his first movies that was actually um, shot in the U S for a U.S. audience and not, you know, dubbed um, from a Chinese audience film to, to bring over. Um, They actually were like, he had an English coach that was giving him his lines in his ear um, with the pronunciation before he went on set uh, to repeat them. So, you know, I, I'm always amazed by people who can speak multiple languages. I, I struggle with English often enough. <laughs> so like, you know, God bless him for, for being able to do that. Um, that's, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, Michelle Yeoh's always had phenomenal, um, I, you know, everything just, I, I think she's fantastic. And I, I wish that we would get more. And, and it actually seems like Hollywood's kind of figured out Michelle Yeoh's awesome. Cause it seems like she's getting a lot of work lately. Um, and that's good. And, and, and I also like the fact that she's getting work that doesn't rely on the fact that she's a martial arts star. She can just be a good actress and not have to, you know, also do Kung Fu to be able to be allowed in a movie. Um, so I, you know, I like that too. Um, there's, uh, but you're right. There's, there's a lot of things that are just kind of rehashes or it's a copy of the first film with a loss of fidelity. You know, you remember when, when everybody had scanners and you could like set the dots per, per inch, uh, you know, what kind of resolution you wanted. It's a very low resolution scan in many cases of, of the first two movies of what worked. Yeah. And it's, again, it's a shame because you've, Again, we've seen way worse movies than this, but it just. And let me be clear here. The mummy and the mummy returns are in no way, shape or form. High bar movies. They're just not. They are not. Oh, my God. Dialogue. They are not. Oh, my God. Story. They are none of that. Those movies are carried on the power of of casting though, because they are charismatic. They are fun. They are believable. They are charming as hell. And that's almost every single person that is a main character in those movies pulls their weight. Yes. Rick and Evie are the stars of the first one, but Emotep is exciting. He's threatening. Jonathan is interesting. Like, so it's not like the first two are like these masterpieces of cinema in forms of storytelling, but the cast pulls everything through. And again, this movie for whatever reason, because again, it's, it's not just because Rachel Weiss is there. It's, it can't be all her absence. I can't imagine you stick her in this movie and it's a hundred times better. 
Yes. Do I think it would be better? Yes, absolutely. Um, but the, for whatever reason, even Brendan Fraser to a degree, like I said, he has a couple of moments, but the cast does not seem into it. And we've talked about that several times when, when the cast looks like they're having, they had a good time on set and they liked being around each other. And sometimes you need the friction. I, you know, I, several actors have talked about that before. Um, but it just, you don't get the same feeling that everybody loved being a part of this entry. Yeah. You don't get a lot of those like Rick O'Connell moments where it's just like, ah, that's our hero. You know? Yeah. No, it, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't exist in the same way. Um, something we didn't get a chance to talk about. It just, it stood out to me very early into this movie. We have Alex that is, you know, looking for this tomb and he, he eventually finds it. And one of the, two things very much stand out to me. At what point do all these bowstrings that have been sitting there for hundreds of years, just eventually like dry rot or decay to the point where they don't work anymore. And all these ancient traps, like all these ropes and everything else just never stop working. They all work flawlessly every time, which has always been funny to me. But then what really stood out is they just witnessed pretty much their entire team get killed by all these traps. And instead of like recovering the dead and carrying them back to camp and waiting to get them properly buried, they're like, well, let's just press on, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the, ver- the very out. next scene is him trying to get with that girl. Yeah, very, you know, kind of heartless. Like, your whole team just died, and you're just going to leave them there? Like, oh, well, let's go find the treasure. <laughs> let's go find the tomb. I don't know. That just kind of stood out to me kind of funny. Yeah, no, I mean, it's... But, boy, that actually has one of my, like, last thoughts, is that has such terrible editing. Um, Where the guy is... It, so, the guy that gets shot in the back with the arrows, and then... The other guy that gets hit with the razor, um, you know, the, the spinning razor saw. How are those two in the same row? Because they're both laying dead in the same row. And the way that shot is cut and filmed, they're not running in the same row at all. So how are they? How are they dead in the same line? I didn't catch that because of how bad the buzzsaw looked. Um, oh my god! The VFX. I just was like, "Oh, this what about is awful. when it? What about when it tur- when it spins? It, when yeah. it spins, it's even worse. When it when it somehow spins to miss Alex, like like the buzzsaw said, "Oh shit!" Like <laughs> like I'm not supposed to hit you. Like yeah, why would the buzz- why would the buzzsaw curve like that? Why is it not shot in a straight line? Because uh, the other one is. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an excellent question. Um, like, yeah, it, it's it, not a again, good answer. It, it, it's plot armor. Um, but yeah, it's just I was like, oh, my God, like the shots are so bad. Um, even that first my God, that first quick cut um, in that opening, I was like, oh, my God, like you can't show. Like you're having a hard time showing someone throw a kick here. Like, geez, almighty. Um, yeah. And some of the, uh, some of the other pl- like decisions on, so they, they get to the the area where they're going to ambush the army coming in and, and they're, they're, on, they're in the Himalayas, they're in the mountains and they're like, okay, well, if they get too close, we're just going to blow this up. 
why do you even have to go through that? Just get there before them, set the bomb, blow it up, run away before they even get there. Like, I didn't understand why they couldn't just do that. They had to wait to have the gunfight. And then when they realized they were going to be overrun, then blow it up. Like, they never really defined why they were just going to leave it there. Well, and it's... Go, sorry, go ahead. Because it's the same thing as a, another point I'll bring up, but you you continue. Yeah. So then shortly after that, we realize Lynn has the ability to just door dash a whole bunch of yetis to come in and help them. It's just like, if you had access to these allies, you didn't want to include them in the in the plot or like in the plan in the first place. Like, it feels like having allies like that. It's, it's almost as bad as when Nick Fury waits until he's turned into dust to pull out the magic pager to pull in Captain Marvel from space. So like, I could think of at least five times in the MCU timeline, you would have used that if you had actually access to it before this, that it doesn't make sense why you didn't. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's just like, and they do this in the first, you know, they do this in the second movie. It, it's more so apparent in the second movie, but you know, when Alex is like, you know, when, when he's flirting with her, when she's standing there and she's like, we could do that or we could save your parents. But then we'll proceed to wait 10 goddamn minutes to do anything <laughs> and let them get close. Let them open up the frickin what's it called? Um, oh God, what's the artifact? That's a diamond thing. The, the eye of Shangri-La. Yeah. Let them let them cut my mother's finger. Let them get it close to the emperor, even though I know that's what it is. and. I'm sorry. If you have been protecting the emperor for 2000 years, one, why would you let anybody get as close as they did to actually get down into the tomb? It's, it's just, and again, it's, it's funny because this is what happens in the first two movies, but you don't give a shit because the performances are so good. Yeah. Why do you let them get that far down? Why do you get that? Let them get that close to the emperor. And how are you stupid enough to not realize that the one in the goddamn coffin is a decoy? I guarantee you, you should know that. Yeah, uh, for 2000 years and she didn't figure any of that out. I mean, she's not quite as inept as the Magi are because they definitely make some really piss poor decisions that come back to bite them. But it's not far off. And again, like her whole role is pretty much just what they were doing, only they're they're all kind of bad at it. You would think when you've got that much time to be able to do it, like, I, I mean, how how many times are they binging The Office on, you know, on streaming yeah. as opposed to actually, like, doing their job? Like, as soon as someone even gets close, sabotage the freaking camp. Yeah. Like, so, so it's either... You're expecting them to die, which is really cool of you. Like, oh, these booby traps will get them. So even if they get into the tomb, they'll get killed. Awesome. That's that's really great of you. Like, sabotage the goddamn expedition when they get that close. Break all of their supplies. Do something. Show up with a whole army of big guys with big guns and say, hey. <laughs> No trespassing. Yeah. <laughs> like, trust me, you're not going down there. But, you know, again, we wouldn't have a movie if that happened. But it's just like the the whole, oh, let's just wait and let's let's see what they're doing. No, you know what they're doing. They're going to go try and frickin resurrect him. 
Like you had the drop on him, jump in, kick the goddamn thing out of the way. So it's not close to the emperor and go from there. But no, you let him get right up on top of him. Like. Ugh. <laughs> it just stuff like that bothers me. Yeah. Um, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And again, it's not that this is the worst movie we've ever seen, but there's a lot that doesn't work. There's a lot of things that don't make sense. Yeah. And again, it just, it doesn't have, because we said this in the review of the first two, and this is the last point I'll make. There's a lot of things that in a, with a lesser cast, you would not forgive yep. in the first two. And which is funny to say, because it, I mean, actually you only have two of the, you only have two remaining actors back in this franchise. So yes, I guess, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, what, uh, whatever. Um, it just, for whatever reason, this movie just, I, I can't get excited for it. I can't get mad at it. Um, it's just it's it falls in a weird category for me um in, in terms of how I feel about it, but I don't have any other notes for it. Yeah, let's let's grab for some popcorn then. All right. Well, popcorn time and you know I, I'm I've struggled with this because when I remembered the movie and there are so many things I remember about this movie watching it. I was like, yeah, I remember all of this that happened. I really do. Um, it, it wasn't the Scorpion King where I was like, shit, I don't remember a damn thing about this movie. Um, like every scene that happened, I, I vividly remembered. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I do remember this movie very well. And I would have given this a one, a one and a half buckets. Um, but it almost feels too harsh because, again, I've watched one in one and a half bucket movies where I'm like, this is not as bad as those. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess I just have to give it a, a two. Um, there are some good moments. I, I do think Rick has some good moments. Jonathan has some good moments. Um, Alex is certainly better than I remember him. The actor was was not as bad. Um, but it's just. It's very average. It's very by the numbers Hollywood movie. Yeah, I it, I have reliably seen this movie one other time than when I watched it this week. And I didn't have a great memory of what happened. I didn't remember liking it. It's not regarded well. Uh, anytime you, you talk about this movie, it's not likely something that I see myself ever watching again. Nope. Uh, um, I struggle to think about why I would choose this. I would watch the first two movies back to back before I mm -hmm. would watch this one uh, or the Scorpion King film. It's, you know, it's not terrible. It's certainly not good. It's very, I'm very indifferent towards it. I, I was really struggling with where to rate it because I, I can't give it a great rating. I also can't give it a terrible rating because it's better than a lot of the terrible movies we've seen. I'm going two and a half buckets just because I feel like there's enough things that do work. It's and it's I, I've given worse films 
worse rating. So I can't, I can't go as low as two. I, I got to go two and a half. Yeah. It just, it, again, it falls into a weird category, but um, who knows? Maybe we'll get a fourth one and, you know, maybe they do what Hollywood has done and don't even act like the third one existed. It's a, the fourth one is a follow-up to the second one. You know, yeah. um, they never even had this adventure. I don't know. Um, I mean, what continuity wise do they have to build on from this movie? What, in what way do they even need to address that this even happened? Like yeah, what, true. what happens that they would have to play into? You don't yeah, really I, need it. No, I mean, you certainly could ignore it. Um, and, and just go from there. But, um, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm glad we finished it. I, I, I'm glad we finished it because at least, Again, like I said, I, it is not as bad as I remember. It, it's certainly not. I just think, you know, at the time it was the, the mummy movies were so cool to me. They were so much fun. And even on the rewatches, they were so much fun to watch. And like you said, I, I, I will still put those movies on. I will watch those. Those are movies that I would throw on when, okay, you know what? If I have to do something and it's not something new that I want to put on or it's something that would keep my interest while I'm walking back and forth from the kitchen, doing dishes, whatever the case may be, um, I would still put these movies on to this day and find myself stopping and going, well, I know what's coming up. I'm going to sit down and watch it. Um, the sandstorm scene, the, you know, the giant river scene there are still so many parts of the first two movies where I would find myself going, okay, I'm going to sit down for a second and watch this part. The bus, um, the, the bus scene in the second one, but there's so much of that. Um, but yeah, with, with this and the Scorpion King, there's just no reason to turn it on again. There's not. No, because you, you don't have the humor. You don't, you don't have the set pieces. I don't think this movie has, you know, this movie certainly to me doesn't have better set pieces, even with the, the really bad CGI in the mummy returns. Um, you don't have the set pieces and it just, yeah, it's, it's a very average movie. And you don't even have, like we talked about the, the Kung Fu action scenes aren't even memorable. Right. I can think of so many movies that Michelle Yeoh and or Jet Li have been in together where I can think of very specific fights, very specific pieces of those fights that I'm looking forward to. I mean, the Crouching Tiger battle where they where it takes place in the training area where you know, she's fighting against the Green Destiny sword and she has to go get like 75 different weapons to I, I just I love that scene so much. It was because of that scene that I. I decided I wanted to learn how to use the double hook swords and everybody that I trained with thought I was insane for wanting to try to do that. But I was like, no, that looked bad ass. That was the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. What are those? How do I learn those? And uh, I still have them actually. They're, uh, they're hidden somewhere in my house. I don't remember where I put them, but I still own them. Um, and maybe one of these days I'll swing around in the backyard and make the kids like get terrified. Um, <laughs> but uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to hang on to them until, um, one of my daughters brings a date home for the first time. Right. That's that's what I'll have. I, I won't do a shotgun. I'll have the double hook swords out. Um, that, Cause just, that's just flinging them. Yeah. Just, that's, that's way scarier because like a, a shotgun, you kind of have a general idea of what that's for, but, a, but a guy with double hook swords, that's somebody that you kind of go, Oh geez, what's that all about? Right. Oh, you um, must, be, you must be Jake. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yes. Home by 11, sir. Yes. You got <laughs> right? 10 59 exactly. on the dot, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, but uh, you know, like I look forward to those scenes and there just isn't that in this. So yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. Well, Meh. that, that does it for the mummy series. Um, you know, another series in the books. Um, but one I'm glad we revisited overall. So it was a lot of fun to, to go there and, uh, we're, we're still going to power through halo, but Rob, you and I have got to throw a couple of ideas at each other and decide which one is, is absolutely going to be next. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun things we've talked about and looking forward to bringing that to you, the listener. Um, stay tuned. If you've been, if you've been following the halo series, even if you haven't been following the halo series, um, you should, um, you should, you should definitely check out our thoughts on it. Um, all the thoughts we have are fun and and will hopefully help you pass the time. If you're running the snowblower, running the uh, lawnmower, whatever season it happens to be in when you're hearing these words, if you're doing dishes, if you're driving to work, if you're on the train, out walking the dog, on the treadmill, whatever it is you happen to be doing while you listen to Matt Goes to the Movies. First of all, thank you for downloading. Thank you for checking the show out. Tell a friend. Matt Goes to the Movies is the best podcast that you have not told all of your friends about for some reason. Why is that? You should do that. Correct that today. Share the show with your friend and subscribe everywhere you get good podcasts. Uh, if you have a particular review you would like us to do, you can send it to mgttmpodcast at gmail.com. Send all your thoughts that way and make sure to check out all of the social media wherever you are. Yeah. Couldn't say it better myself. So listeners, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Check our social media for updates on what we will be bringing you next, but we will see you very soon with our next reviews.